Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky, and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's a couple of classics in their own right. It's Jack Druce and Jess Perkins. Hello. Hey everyone. It's me, Jack. Oh, hi Jack Perkins. <laughs> G'day Jack. My name's Jack. <laughs> oh my god. This is going to get confusing quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, for ease of confusion, I'll also be called Jack, okay, and then yeah. we'll all just talk over each other for the next 84 minutes. <laughs> I'll be minutes. Jack 1, and you'll be Jack A, and you'll be Alpha Jack, <laughs> and then it should be nice and clear. Yeah, perfect. Great. Well, glad we got that sorted. Glad we've got a system. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me back on Book Cheat. Great to have you both back. Uh, have you been reading anything since we've last met? <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you... Very regularly, Dave. So I know. It's true, Jess. Maybe too much. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't think so. Oh, well. Over the summer holidays, I started reading um, Claire Bowditch's book. Uh, fuck, I just looked up what it was called because I keep forgetting. Your Own Kind of Girl. Um, it's a autobiography, a memoir, if you will. And I started it over the summer holidays and then I kind of got busy with um, getting ready for the comedy festival. But now it's been cancelled, so I've got more time to read again. Yes, lots lots and lots of time. So much time, endless time. And so, ha- how are I'm we doing. feeling about the comedy festival? Just quickly, Jack, you've also had to cancel a show, which I was very excited, uh, excited yeah. about to see. Um, I thought you were saying you were very excited I had to cancel. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as your tweet came oh, to response saying that, from you, that you were cancelled as well, I was like, yes. <laughs> We've done it. Um, I was I, just thinking in my phone, actually, I had um, I was going through a, a draft tweet before and I'd actually written out a draft of Friends shows oh. to plug to say, and you were both on that list. Oh, that's nice. You should probably still tweet it. Do you want me to put it out there? Hey, yeah. Check out these guys. I love both of them. Well, yeah, it could have been. You should, actually. This could be a fun challenge for a lot of people. You should schedule that tweet for March. 2021 oh, okay. and see yeah. who's, who's still doing shows what's happening if there's a festival then i really liked the poster that uh, uh that other people designed for me so i'm keen yeah. to use that again it'll be the same you the same get show a, get a tattoo get it inked yes there we go get the, the poster inked and then do a new show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. real comedians get their show inked every year they yeah. got a big like a a big line down the side of them, just show titles and graphics. What about when reviews. you reviews? <laughs> Four stars. Full reviews. On the back. <laughs> One year is a two star. No, no, no. Gotta no. take it. Gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. There's no. You can just get other stars tattooed around it. Is yeah. it? If you if you line up your bad review next to a Southern Cross <laughs> at the right angle, you're like, that's a ten star review right there. <laughs> We're all feeling very weird, I think. We are feeling a bit weird, but 
the show must go on. And when I say show, I mean this podcast. Yeah, yeah. not our shows. Yeah, don't, um, don't attend any shows if they're on. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't go to that. Stay inside. Yeah, and don't come to our shows. We won't be there. But unless you're listening in March 2021. That's right. You may have seen my tweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that brought you here. Yeah, right? Because you thought, oh, I'll check them out. Well, here we are. And everything's fine again. So you should come. One can only hope. Yeah. But festival's over. But reading time has just reading begun. Jack, you were saying before off mic that you've been doing a bit of reading lately. Yeah, it's all, it's been pretty pretty dry reading, I guess, just because it's like I took a bit uh, sort of before all this happened. I took a bit of time away from work, so I've been trying to read a lot of uh, I wouldn't say self help stuff, but kind of like um, I don't know, like more psychology kind of things. Mm. Like I'm, I've read a book called Flow, which is like a, I think kind of a famous book about just like uh, taking on. To, to try and summarize, it's like taking on tasks that are at that, that sort of good level of stress that sort of absorb your focus fully, that you're not uh, focused on anything else, but you're kind of like, you're not bored, but you're not overwhelmed. Right, it's either. not too and, much. Yeah, mm. and kind of that, that system as, as a basis for sort of a more unified uh, sort of everything in your life. Thing. I mean, that was like a lot, a lot longer and denser than anything I've read in a while. I think I used to be a real bookworm and I dropped off and it was good to read that because it was like, kind of felt like work in a weird way. It was mm. like a, it was like exercising or something. I was like, all right, this is a bit of a slog, but it's going to, it's going to help me get my brain good. So it feels like studying. It, it was like studying. Yeah. 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 And yeah. like when you get off the treadmill, did you feel <laughs> satisfied each time you finished like a, you know, a section of the book? I felt it was really good to read in the mornings because it's such a, A, I feel proud of myself for reading anything, but then B, it's like it's specifically about uh, taking on like tasks and making your life better and all this stuff. So it's kind of hard to feel good about reading, get all that in your brain and then be like, well, back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, sets you on a good track for the day. That's great. Very, very good. Well, let me tell yeah. you about what I've been reading lately. Please. And that is a little... Classic called Breakfast at Tiffany's. She said, I think I remember, remember the film that I We both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's only we got. <laughs> I love that bit. Uh, that is, of course, Deep Blue Something's Breakfast at Tiffany's, a song that I've had in my head for the last two weeks since picking this book. Oh, I'm so sorry. Constantly going around. I got sort of obsessed. Is that a song about people who like get back together because they like one movie? <laughs> it's, that is, that is a man who is so desperate to get back together. He's clutching at such little straws yeah. that yeah. he's saying, babe, remember, we liked that film. <laughs> we hated every other film. Like, oh, there was that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even her saying I like that. He's like, I recall we both kind of like it. There yeah. could Kinda. Be, there could be a reply of her going, I did not like that. I've yeah. never seen that <laughs> film. That was your ex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that horrible thing when you confuse ex-partners. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but deeply something, I um, got into a little bit of a an internet hole researching them. That was their only hit. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. they were one Which hit they recorded though, for yeah. their first album, then re-recorded for the second album, and then that's when it, their second album, and then it was a big hit. And I was looking up this, they actually got back together in about 2014. And um, the singer is on Twitter. 700 okay. followers. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon I could get him to follow Bookchee? Yeah, I reckon. You could. Get him on. Oh, Skype him in. But don't, well, actually, maybe not, because we've just talked about it in a, not, in, not 
all that kind but way. But I, I mean, it's a one-hit wonder, but I love the song. Sure, okay. Well, and I think as well, people kind of go like, ugh, one-hit wonder. They only go, it's like, you know how hard it is to get a huge yeah, global a, hit? Yeah. It's like, over 25 no years later, I, I mentioned a title and so, and, and we, we instantly sing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like no one's making fun of like, uh, Neil Armstrong only went to the moon once. Yeah. Uh, idiot alert. Like. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah. yeah, you did the world's hardest thing. <laughs> Congratulations. He is a massive loser though, hey? Neil? Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. such a loser. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, but not for the moon thing, for other stuff. He oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen him play golf? He sucked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my little goal to get the singer of Deep Blue something to follow this podcast Great. back. He went on um, his most recent tweets were at the end of February. He went on a, um, a series of tweets live tweeting the Super Bowl commercials. Cool. <laughs> yes. I uh, hope that song made him rich. I don't know if it did. <laughs> but uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Jack, do you know much about the the book or the famous film adaptation star, uh, starring Audrey Hepburn? I'm coming in completely blank slate. i got nothing on this one. I know. I know the Deep Blue Something the song is the only thing you know about that. Yeah, and I don't even know what that's about. You know, a guy <laughs> who thinks he may have rem- liked the film with his girlfriend? Kind of. Yeah. The, oh, the, <laughs> yeah the, what you just told me about the singer is the sum of information <laughs> I have about Breakfast yeah, at I know. A lot about this book, uh, the... Uh, Book likes to live tweet the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Jess, I have uh, I've read the book and I've seen the film, and I basically asked you if I could be on this <laughs> episode. I was like, Dave, get me on. Yeah, because I just told you in our sort of our other podcast group yeah. chat. I said, Oh, I'm doing this one coming up, and you said, Get me on. I've seen it. I've read it. I've read it. And then as I was driving over, I was like, I don't know if I have retained a lot of it. Like, I definitely know the storyline, but I don't think I'm going to know the difference between the, like, because I'm sure as with any uh, movie adaptation of a book, there's some things that are different. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to point things out, but I reckon you will. Well. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Well, that's one thing we got. <laughs> um, I actually have not seen the film. Okay. But I have read up on a couple of differences. I would recommend seeing the film. I it's, must... it's when I it's when I was like, okay, I get Audrey Hepburn now. She was great in it. She's very captivating. Okay, well, I must say she's so captivating that I haven't seen the film, and despite that, reading the novel, I was imagining her the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is she is she in the poster? Maybe smoking one of those long cigarettes. Uh, yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah, in a black dress. Yeah, I feel like that's a Givenchy yeah, dress. That's the image I have. Yep, one of those cool old cigarettes and like big sunglasses and yeah. Pearls around her neck. Mm-hmm. Okay, but just in case uh, people haven't heard of it at all, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a 1958 novella, which means short novel. Basically, it's only 100 pages, and I'm going to tell you the story. Quite a lot happens in these 100 pages. Mm. Some, I'd say compared to some of the other books I've read for this podcast, sometimes they're 400 pages. More happens in these 100 pages <laughs> than a lot of those. Uh, it was written by American author Truman Capote, mm-hmm. also famous for In Cold Blood, the... Uh, some would say first true crime novel, uh, but this was before that. It was first published in Esquire or Esquire magazine, and it was a critical success for Capote, who always names makes me laugh because my mum, when she moved from the country down to uni to sound smart, she told me that people were talking about this book one day, and she's like, "Oh yes, I love Truman Capote." Capote. <laughs> oh, I feel for my mum. Feel for my mum that moment. Uh, and it was uh, loosely adapted, as I said, into the 1961 movie Breakfast at Tiffany's with Audrey Hepburn. Apparently, the film adaptation is a lot less dark 
and the uh, the ending is very very different. Ah, uh, okay. Which we can talk about at the uh, the end of the novel. But I'm going to be focusing on that because I ha- haven't seen the movie. But I always start with the opening line just to set the scene of the style of writing here. So the opening line of Breakfast at Tiffany's is, I'm always drawn back to places where I have lived, the houses and the neighbourhoods. For instance, there was a brownstone in the East 70s where, during the early years of the war, I had my first New York apartment. Thus, we are off Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm. I'm hooked. You're in? Yeah. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, we just so good laid Jack- on me, Truman. <laughs> He's so good. Jack was like, "I'm bored. See ya." <laughs> what else you got, Dave? You got anything else this week? Next. <laughs> well, we've just heard from our narrator, an unnamed man reflecting on his time living in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City during the Second World War. He's a writer, and back then was looking for his start. And despite his overall poverty and the gloom of the pretty crappy apartment. Now a bit over a decade later, he looks back on this time fondly. He tells us, It never occurred to me in those days to write write about Holly Golightly, and probably it would not now except for a conversation I had with Joe Bell that set the whole memory of her in motion again. How good is the name Holly Golightly? It is incredible. It's so good. It sounds like 30s slang that could mean anything. Yes! Yeah, you're a bit of a Holly Golightly. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Know what I mean? It could mean so many. It could mean you're a bit of a lightweight drink-wise. It could mean you're a massive (laughs) slush. It could mean like war with Germany. Yeah, it could mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like if the Kaiser goes down, it's going to be a bit of Holly Golightly. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> it is a fantastic name. Yeah, uh, that's the main character of the novel, Holly Golightly. That's the one that Audrey Hepburn is, plays with that cigarette. Mm-hmm. Is how does that name break down? Is Golightly a surname or? Yeah, yeah okay. it is a uh, surname spelt G O L I G H T L Y. Golightly. Mm-hmm. Golightly. Uh, she lived in the apartment below our narrator. They used to go to a bar owned by Joe Bell, who I just mentioned. Six or seven times a day each to use his phone because he took messages for them during the war. Good on you, Joe. What a strange system. I yeah. feel like they were alcoholics and that was a, they're like, oh, uh, any messages, go Joe? See Joe I, yeah. <laughs> I gotta use the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> I told you 10 minutes ago. There's no message. <laughs> oh, well, oh, while I'm here, Joe. Let's have a vodka martini. <laughs> Yeah, a, a telephone call is just a, a cocktail that Joe Bell is very famous for. <laughs> so they used to do that a lot, but they so they both knew Joe Bell that way, but that's not how they knew each other. Now, many years later, out of the blue, Joe Bell, the bar owner, has called the narrator and asked him to come to the bar. Our narrator instinctively knew that Joe Bell must have wanted to talk about Holly Golightly, and he was right. Oh, you just knew how to be a goss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So why else would Joe Bell call? Mm. And what, but I mean, can't you talk over the phone? That's literally what phones were invented for. I know. Why do I have to come down to the bar for Is you it, to tell me something you could tell me over the phone? He wanted to use his hands. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think, I think Joe Bell is tapping into nostalgia to boost bad business, I think. Right. Yeah, that's right. people out of the blue are like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Old friend is something you got to come in quick. You got to quick, yeah. uh, but you have to be here. Yeah, I'm uh, afraid this story is an eight drink minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep drinking. I'm going under. Uh, Joe, when he gets to the bar, it's raining this whole time, but he makes the effort to get there. Our narrator. Joe shows the narrator some photos taken by one of their old neighbours, and when I say there, I mean the narrator's old neighbours, a certain Mister I Y Yanoshi, 
a magazine photographer who lived on the top floor of the apartment building. And if you shaking your head, Jess, because one of the only other things I know about the mm. Breakfast at Tiffany's film is that the portrayal of this character, Mr. I.Y., you know, she who is an Asian character, is incredibly racist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real bad. It's, it's so offensive. It's, um, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. I couldn't remember his name. Mickey Rooney plays a Japanese man. Oh, wow. Um, and if you can't picture um, Mickey Rooney, um, he's not Asian. It's all really all you need to know. <laughs> it's so bad. And he's doing the accent the whole time. It's it's a real caricature and it's terrible. But, you know, it's a different time is oh, something we say yeah. too often. I know. <laughs> to forgive bad things. <laughs> yeah, I was you know you know it was also weird. I was imagining Mickey Rooney, but I hadn't couldn't I hadn't actually seen the film, so I was just imagining Mickey Rooney like as I know him. Right. Before he died as like a nine year old yeah. white man <laughs> playing this character. <laughs> It's a bit like that, yeah. yeah. I think I don't know what Mickey Rooney looks like, so I was weirdly imagining Mickey Rourke for a while. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I always get the two confused. Mickey Rourke. Yeah, it was a weird, weird casting call, to be honest. Yeah. I think the director must have owed him a favour or something. Yeah, get me in there. I love this novel. All right, there's only one character left. I'll do it. Can't I play Joe Bell? It's so bad. So the bar owner, Joe Bell, has been sent three photos from uh, Mr. Yanoshi, who is the magazine photographer from the top floor of the apartment building. And by this stage, he's been living in Africa for the previous two years. The photos show an African man holding a wood carving of a woman's head. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool, it, man. I have to come down yeah. here for this job. This is a strange start yeah. to a story, isn't it? A wood carving of a woman's head. And on closer inspection, the woman's head, it is... It looks exactly like Holly Go Lightly. And we're sure it's a wood carving. Yeah, not just someone's head. Not Holly's head. (laughs) It's very accurate. Wow, weird. And it comes with a description. The photographer, Mr. Yanoshi, had been in a remote African village and was shocked to recognise the face of his old neighbour, Miss Go Lightly. So he tried to buy the head from the carver, who despite a large offer... He offered him all sorts of things. He was giving him his watch, a lot of salt, money. He did not want to part with the head. How Almost, much salt are we talking? Yeah. Like handful? Yeah. Two handfuls a pinch. Oh, I'd give a give anything for two handfuls of salt. <laughs> yeah. This I'd, guy wouldn't. I'd trade I would trade for salt, I reckon. At some point. I mean, without it. Food is bland and lifeless. Yeah. Ugh. Chips with no salt, get out of here. But without a wooden carving of a woman's head, wouldn't you say life is bland and life? Is- <laughs> yes, I would say that. And I do say yeah. that. <laughs> You're always saying that. <laughs> it's weird that you say that all the time. It's one of my uh, tattoos on my side <laughs> underneath the Comedy Festival reviews. <laughs> so he's offering you money, Mr. Yanoshi. The carver wouldn't give in. Eventually, he agreed to tell the photographer the story of how it was carved in exchange for the watch and the salt. So that's a, a, okay. re, a real downstep in bargaining from Yanoshi. He's oh, like, I yeah. want that so badly. All right, just tell me where it's from so badly. Here's my watch. That, that's some like real like Donald Trump out of the deal style <laughs> stuff. It's like, well, I could give you my car, but instead, what about a story about my car? <laughs> How's that for negotiating? <laughs> um, through broken English and sign language, he told Yanoshi that the woman had arrived with two men sick with fever to the African village. The two men had to isolate for two months, topical, oh. 
Uh, the woman reportedly slept with the carver on his mat during this time, but the narrator does doubt this part of the story. <laughs> he reckons that the woodcarver has thrown that in. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah. She is bunking with me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you better believe it. I'd love to know the uh, broken English and sign language that acted out yeah. that part of the story. Yeah, sign language is easy, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me a bit more salt and I'll tell you the R-rated version. (laughs) Uh, One day they left, they all left, and despite his inquiries, everywhere he went in Africa, Mr. Yonashi couldn't find any more info about where this woman had been in Africa. She just seemed to have vanished. So our narrator and Joe Bell back at the bar discussed this story. Africa's a very big place. It's so big. You went everywhere? Why, you creep? To track down your neighbour? It's not that unusual to think wandering around Africa asking about one person and it's yeah. like and they didn't know where she was so it's crazy she's just like a ghost yeah <laughs> it's like I went to every capital city in Australia and I said oh, have you I seen this person <laughs> no okay well it's a mystery I guess I went Maybe. to two train stations <laughs> <laughs> can't believe no it no side of it everyone takes trains don't they <laughs> So apparently she just vanished. And narrator and Joe Bell back at the bar discuss the story and the narrator tells Joe that he doubts it's actually Holly in the carving. Right. It's just a coincidence. But when he asks where he thinks Holly is, our narrator replies, dead or in a crazy house or married? I think she's married and quieted down and maybe right in this very city, New York. Joe thinks that if she was here, surely... Over a decade later, he would have seen her walking the street. Again, New York's Again? a very big place. Yeah. For fuck's sake, Joe. <laughs> Joe's like, no, I would, understand? Se- I would have seen her. I would have seen her. There I, are, I, I haven't I've... left this bar in 12 years. Surely she would have walked past. I've lived in Melbourne for 30 years almost. and You ain't seen her. I've. There are suburbs I haven't been to. You know? Yeah, you could be elsewhere, she's Joe. Pro- she's probably in Narry Warren. <laughs> yeah, she's, I've been there. <gasps> Sorry to brag. I have point. been to Narry Warren. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Let's list places and see if Jess has been there. Burwood. Been there. I went to uni there. Ringwood. Uh, yeah, you used to play basketball there. This could take a while. Templestowe Heights. No, haven't been. Found it. That's where she is. <laughs> then Joe admits that he's loved her all these years and it gets a little bit awkward between the two. Oh, Joe. Joe says too much. <laughs> I haven't seen her. Our narrator leaves and goes for a walk to his old brownstone, which is his old sort of a classic... You imagine a uh, a stone New York City building, one of those three, four level apartment buildings. That's what we're talking about. And he notices that all these years later, he only recognises one name on the of the now uh, letterbox of the now spruced up buildings. Yeah, everyone else has left. Miss uh, Madame Sophia Spinella. That's the only one he recognises. But this leads our narrator to remember that the first time he noticed Holly was by seeing her name written on these letterboxes. He writes, "It read Miss Holiday Go Lightly." And underneath in the corner, travelling. It nagged me like a tune. Miss Holiday Go Lightly, travelling. <laughs> Cue flashback and it's the story of Breakfast at Tiffany. So that was just the uh, the lead up to, let mm. me tell you about that time in my yeah. life. Oh, right. oh, I almost forgot, but I haven't. So here it is. Uh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would start a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> well, I guess if you're here, I may as well tell you a story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but all right. You twisted my arm. <laughs> what do we think of the name Holiday as a first name? I've never heard that before. Holly, I've heard of. Holiday, do we know that? Bring it back, I think. That's great. Oh. Holiday. Holiday. Um, I reckon you'd, it'd get shortened to Holly anyway. Surely. You know? 
Just lose it. It's like my parents named me Jessica purposefully to call me Jess. I was like, you could just name me Jess. Yeah, why? I I would say, though, that it's like they're going to shorten it anyway, so why not just go hog wild? Yeah. It's going to be holly anyway. You could call it holiday. You could be like... uh, I don't know, Jessigator, if you wanted I to. Could you could have been Jessigator. I really like the name Jessigator. Yeah. Well, it could have been. And also, then when I'm in trouble, it's clear. Jessigator. Daniel. I'm in trouble. So he'd seen the name Miss Holiday Golightly traveling. He'd seen the name within his first week of living in the apartment, and he'd heard her voice not long afterwards. Holly would come home in, at all hours of the night, but apparently had trouble. Hanging onto her own key. <laughs> She'd get in by buzzing Mr. Yanoshi's buzzer until he let her in. Like at like 4am. <laughs> he found this very frustrating, but she kept doing it anyway. <laughs> Always like, him. And he would hear a Yanoshi yelling out, please, I, I need to sleep. And she'd be like, don't worry about it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and Arada went out to the hall to get a, a secret look at this woman. This is uh, from the book. She was still on the stairs. Now she reached the landing, and the ragbag colour of her boy's hair, tawny streaks, strands of albino blonde and yellow caught the hall light. It was a warm evening, nearly summer, and she wore a slim black cool dress, black sandals, and a pearl choker, which is the look that Audrey Hepburn wore in the movie. There you go. But... Fun fact, uh, Truman Capote wanted Marilyn Monroe. He'd imagine her to play oh, the wow. lead part. Huh. Yeah, because you can see there, blonde and... Audrey Hepburn's famously a brunette. Yeah. So there you go. He uh, speculated that she could have been between anywhere between 16 and 30, but he found out soon that she was about to turn 19, so she's only 18 years old. He should hang out with more women to narrow down his guess. I yeah. Think. No, but I think I could pass for 16. <laughs> I could pass for 16. Yeah, Put yeah. me in a school uniform. I look the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, Prim- primary school uniform. Primary school uniform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Check me in that. Grade two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe I could finally be top of the class. Probably I don't, not, no, I don't no. think so. Smart kids maybe top days. two. Damn it. You'd be, top, top, you'd be in the smart class, but maybe not the smartest in the smart yeah, class. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, good, good solid mid-range. But, yeah, you're right. If he can't tell how old someone is, that's a huge I'm, range. Like, I feel like I'm terrible at guessing ages, mm. and I feel like 16 to 30, you've got to step up your game there. Yeah, that's a ma- yeah, that's, that's a, pretty Believe in yourself a little bit. <laughs> Say early 20s, if that's what you feel. Yeah, but you could be 16. I don't know. You could be 80. I'm sorry if I offended you. I don't know. I don't see age. I don't know. I don't get numbers. How they work. <laughs> what comes up to 17? So uh, she's 18. She's only 18 years old. She ha- He's looking over the balcony. She had a man with her, and when they got to her door, she called him the wrong name. <laughs> Power move. <laughs> Good night, Chris. My name's Jerry. Good night, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> she clo- they're not the names. I can't remember what it was. But she closed the door in his face and he protested, I paid for the bill and for dinner for you and all your friends. <laughs> and he goes, I'm a nice guy. You like me. It's the saddest thing you'll ever hear. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. You like me. She's like, I do like you. Good night. Bye-bye. The man uh, angry le- angrily left and when he got to the bottom of the stairs, she came back out, opened the door, and the man is all excited. Because he thinks that she might have changed her She's mind. She's remembered that she likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. sorry. I thought you were Chris. Sorry. Uh, He's thanks like for telling me that I like you. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. He's like, oh baby, and then she goes, um, the next time a a girl wants a little powder room change, take my advice, darling. Don't give her twenty cents. And then she slams the door in his face. <laughs> 
which is uh, open to interpretation here. So she's calling him a tight ass. We know that. People over the years have speculated that she may have been a sex worker and that's how she has this quite a lavish lifestyle. But Truman Capote himself would say, oh, no, she wasn't doing that. She was just like an it girl in the city and that people wanted to be seen with her. So lots of men would buy her drinks or take her out or give her money because she was young, beautiful and just, yeah, magazines would talk about her, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's been speculated about over the years. But she's basically saying, you're a tired ass. I asked her for some money and you didn't give me enough. So good night. Um, Holly, from this point, stops ringing Mr. Yanoshi's door. She gives the photographer a break late at night and she instead starts, started buzzing our narrator. <laughs> oh, they don't meet in person, but he keeps seeing her out in town. First at a restaurant with a table of older men, then they're out dancing. And this is a quote. She was out dancing with a happy group of whiskey-eyed Australian army officers baritoning waltzing Matilda. Oh, God. Uh, do you think that's maybe like an Australian edition that you got? Yeah. <laughs> Change it up to make it really feel like. It was a bunch of New Zealand uh, her men singing uh, da 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 boom boom da. da. It was beautiful. Kiwi's like, that's us. <laughs> a lot of New Zealanders singing How Bizarre, How Bizarre every time. <laughs> the only New Zealand song I could think of. Um, so, yeah, he may have been, because I was. Maybe it's actually absolutely worked if you're right, Jake, because I read that going, oh, my God, an Australian reference. I've got to tell my guests about this. Yeah. <laughs> God, we're desperate for any kind of attention, aren't we? Oh, yeah. It's really sad and it's pathetic. It's so sad. <laughs> like, He's done his research. Walting Matilda. Just before I came here, we were watching an episode of Rick and Morty and there are some Australian uh, voice actors in there. Like I just heard an Australian accent and I was like, oh, Australians! It turns out in the in the credits it was Sam Neill and Taika Waititi. <laughs> so some pretty big names, both Kiwis. Um, but both still, but <laughs> I was like, oh my god, look, we're included. <laughs> they know we exist. Oh, we've got funny accents. <laughs> um, so he from this point on, he became infatuated with her, and um, he. F- Found out a lot about her by going through her trash. Cool. Nice, Creepy. Nice, nice. How else is he going to find out about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What other option does he have? <laughs> the trash is right there. She's an it girl, yes. People want to hang out with her. Hey, I was also saying yes. Yeah. Dave was the one who said it was creepy. I think this is romantic. I wish more men would go through my trash. Yeah, yeah. It's it trash. <laughs> I've got all the coolest things in my trash. Uh, from this, he found out that she reads astrological charts. She dyes her hair. Oh. He finds out what type of cigarette she smokes, Picayunes, maybe the famous one we were talking about before because it's quite a apparently specific brand, and that she gets a lot of love letters. Oh. But don't worry, he justifies it to us, writing, they're always torn into strips like bookmarks. I used to occasionally to pluck myself a bookmark in passing. Remember and miss you. <laughs> I love, that's how he... Oh, no, I was only getting bookmarks. I, I wasn't reading her love letters. Can a fella pluck himself a bookmark? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm mean, You find a, a bookmark-shaped shaped piece of paper. I'm just recycling. Sure, I, I got some sticky tape and put them all together so I could read them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the nightmare of having to keep a track of where I am in this book. <laughs> yeah. I need a fresh, <laughs> fresh bookmark yeah, out of the trash every day. Fresh bookmark. What else could I use as a bookmark? Anything? <laughs> Any flat objects? <laughs> what, do I look like a millionaire? <laughs> a bookmark? You're crazy. No, I'm not going to fold a page. 
<laughs> I've got respect for the being. Yeah. He, he writes, uh, remember and miss you and rain and please write and damn and goddamn were the words that recurred most often on these slips. Those and lonesome and love. So he's okay. really gone through the words. He also knew she had a cat and would play guitar on the fire escape singing, don't want to sleep, don't want to die, just want to go traveling through the pastures of the sky. Catchy. Beautiful. I think famously in the film she sings Moon River yes. is the song. Thank you. I couldn't remember. I was going to say La Vie en Rose, but it's not that. It's, yeah, Moon River. And it's uh, great. Imagine if she sang the Breakfast at Tiffany's song. Oh. She blew something. That would be, that's a film. Yeah. Then you would have seen it. Oh. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> she gets to the guitar solo. Love that bit. Love that bit. Love that. So good. But they didn't meet for ages despite him having her words or her lover's words strewn throughout his books, throughout throughout the apartment. Until one night, whilst having a bourbon in bed, whilst reading the latest George Shimanon novel, uh, probably marked with a bookmark of... Oh, he knows where he's up to in that yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> he looked out to see her face on the, fire, on the fire escape looking at him and rapping on the window. He, he let... <laughs> Hello, my name... <laughs> That's my version of rapping. He's saying hello. (laughs) I just wanted to get the joke out before my brain could write it. It is funny. (laughs) He just starts beatboxing inside. (laughs) Let me give you a beat. Uh, He let Holly in wearing a robe. She was wearing a robe. He's wearing a robe. She was wearing a robe. She's wearing a robe. No mention of what he's wearing. Also a robe. Probably a robe. Robe party. Yeah. I love a robe party. She said her lover was downstairs in the bed and had gotten drunk and bitten her shoulder, so she'd had enough and run away. <laughs> okay. She's like, he'll tire himself out down there. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? He doesn't notice she's left. He's still just biting things Bite. in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Is your lover like a wolfman or a yeah. Dracula or something? Like- <laughs> she can just hear <laughs> teeth clamoring. <laughs> Baby, come, baby. Here, come here, come here, baby. Yeah. Oh, that's my own arm. Ow. Yeah, like he's just a, like he's like a teething cat, just like trying to sharpen his teeth on yeah. wood. And <laughs> so the two began to talk back up in the bed in um, our narrator's bedroom, and Holly uh, told the narrator that he looks like her brother Fred, who was quote a sweet and vague and terribly slow boy, who had joined the army to fight in World War Two. So she begins to call our narrator Fred. Mm. So that's the only name we get for him throughout the entire book. I had a little question. Yeah, sure. Is it explains in the book why our main character is is not in the war himself? Mm. No, that actually is not. Uh, uh, th- th- no, there is, I must say, there is a time in the book where he's worried he's going to be called up. Yeah. But he doesn't get called up. Because I guess America's only in the, the latter part of the war. So it could still yeah. be during the war, but America's not necessarily only in the last war. couple of yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, because well, her brother has gone to the war, and yeah, there is a uh, part of the book where he talks about yeah, there's a possibility he'll be called up, and he's a bit nervous about it, but then he doesn't be. So I guess he was just lucky not to mm. yeah. be called up. But good question. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I thought I thought of it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Jess, we've all got questions. Yeah, there'll no, be time at the end for those. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, if you have any, please please <laughs> ask them now. Ask them now. Uh, what's this book about? Yeah, at the end, <laughs> too late. That God is too late. What's this guy's name? God damn it! <laughs> uh, the two began to talk. Our narrator, now called Fred, and her. She told him she'd trained herself to like older men. 
trained herself. Mm. Okay. Which um, I've been working on myself. <laughs> yeah, it's good to give yourself a little <laughs> little project like that. Yeah. <laughs> I do find it hard to like old men. Really, I just look at photos of Mickey Rooney and go, God, he's good. <laughs> God, he's good. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of Mickey Rourke. Oh, he, he's an older man now. Mm. Yeah. God, he's good. God, he's good. <laughs> the Wrestler. Wrestler. One of the Expendables movies. Yep. Have you seen that voiceover he did in that Alien documentary? No. Holy shit, this is going to be a massive tangent here. Like, no, 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 I'm no, not taking up too go. much time. Uh, please tell me about this Mickey Rourke alien voiceover. I'd love to hear it. Well, it, there's a movie. Uh, God, I wish I, I think, It's about a guy called Bob Lazar who claims he was at uh, Area 51. Oh. And, um, and Mickey Rourke does the voiceover for this documentary. <laughs> and it's like they've recorded the docu- they've recorded the audio for it. And Mickey Rourke doesn't know what the movie is about and has just taken a bunch of sleeping medicine <laughs> and is like about to trail off and they haven't given him a script. And so it's like this just shots of the desert and then like an old man doing a serious interview about what he did when he worked for government research places. And then it'll be like Mickey Rourke going, when infinity splits in half and you're looking the devil in the eyes, <laughs> you got to remember that sometimes time can be a seductive enemy. <laughs> like, just, like, just freestyling on just this vague, mysterious... <laughs> and they're just like... It's incredible. The, the audio technicians are just like... Just keep rolling. Keep yeah. rolling. Yeah. <laughs> this is good stuff. I'm this sure I'll be able to use this. Like, he's half asleep. <laughs> I mean, this is probably useless for this project. But yeah. Great for something yeah. else. <laughs> this is about to go viral, guys. <laughs> so, do you reckon so you could train yourself to like that? An older man slurring about the desert. I think it's so weird that she's. It's like she sees the benefit, or that like it's obviously. I've been alone for too long that I can't form sentences now. It's like she knows that uh, hanging out with older men is going to be good for her in terms of money and being looked after, so she just has to sort of fight through. and A bit like that. And I think she's maybe trying to convince convince our narrator, hey, it's not that bad. It's all right. I've taught myself to like this. <laughs> yeah, That sucks. Yeah. He tells her he's a writer. Good. So he ignores what she was saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm a writer. <laughs> That's what the lady's like. And um, she asked to read some of his stuff, which she she did, but uh, she did not give him a great reaction. <laughs> so, um, she panicked at the time. By now it's 4.30 in the morning because the next day she had to travel to the notorious Sing Sing prison to meet an inmate there named Sally Tomato. Is, any, is this, I must say, is this ringing a bell with you at all? This Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. yeah. These names are really impressive. Yeah, Sally the Tomato. Sally Tomato and uh, Holiday Go Lightly. Holiday Go Lightly. Fred. Oh, They're all good. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Bell. Be, oh, is there a, I haven't seen the movie, but is there a scene in the prison where they're like, uh, what was the, the tomato name again? Sally, Sally Tomato. Where it's like, we got Holiday Go Lightly to see Sally Tomato get out here. <laughs> like the. No, but they. I don't think there is, and that's a real missed opportunity. Yeah. They should have had that. And some guy called Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the movie, too, the narrator has a name. Suppose it's, it, suppose yes, it's, I think well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, I'm, and it's not Fred either when I was looking I'm at sure the I'm sure other characters refer to him as things. Hippo yeah. McGubbins or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. She calls him Fred, but he they has a different Truman name. They asked Truman Capote, what would you have called yeah. him? <laughs> Hippo. Hippo. 
Yeah, she still calls him Fred, but I'm pretty sure I'm sure other characters refer to him as something else. My name's Mr. Something. Yeah, or... My name is Sunbeam Watermelon, but you can call <laughs> me Fred. Fred. <laughs> Sunbeam Watermelon. Are you looking it up, Dave? Oh uh, yes, George Peppard played Paul Vajak. Sorry, for Paul Varjak. Varjak. That's a great name. Varjak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does nickname him Holly. What's the actor's uh, name? Fred. George Peppard. He's a babe. Really? I'm yeah. showing you. In that film, he's a fox. Don't think... show me an old photo of him. Say... Don't show me an old man photo. Yes, I think you've trained yourself to like older men. Oh, yeah. Look at him there. He's gorgeous. Mm. But in the film, he's a he's a stone cold fox. Oh, my goodness. I do know that guy because he played John Hannibal Smith in the oh. 80s version of, of the A-Team. Yes. He was an absolute fox in that. Always chomping on a cigar, cigar. with a, uh, uh, a hat on, I believe. Yeah. Am I thinking of the right one? God, I Hannibal, yeah. One. He's the one wearing all the chains with that's the mohawk. The no. <laughs> Sorry. You had me there. Yeah, Mr. Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm just Googling Mr. Here he is with the cigar. Yeah. He's got the uh, army yeah. beret hat on. He's a babe. Oh, what a career that guy's had. Yeah. I love that guy. He's really good in this. He's really good in the film. Or maybe I just haven't seen it for a long time. I probably need to rewatch, but I really enjoyed it. No, it's a very it's a classic movie. People do love it. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading about him now live on air. It was around the same time that I watched Some Like It Hot and also really finally appreciated Marilyn Monroe as well. Yeah, that is a good film. It's a great film. Uh, Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau, fantastic. Marilyn Monroe, beautiful, funny, great, captivating. Ah, oh, cinema. <laughs> Please stop me. Mise en scène, <laughs> cinematography, <laughs> Academy Award nominations. <laughs> Just reading out words. Um, microphone. Yes, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. Um, what happened in this prison, Dave? It's killing me. Oh, sorry, Sally sorry, Tomato. Sorry the riff. I just, I'm curious about Sally Tomato. <laughs> so she's freaking out because the next day she's got to go see Sally Tomato. She's yeah. like, I should go to bed. He's a gangster who apparently had admired her from afar at Joe Bell's bar. His lawyer, a certain Mr. O'Shaughnessy, had reached out to Holly Golightly and offered her $100 a week to meet in prison his client, Sally Tomato. Basically being like, he's admired you from afar at Joe Bell's bar. He thinks you're a beautiful woman. He just loved to have a chat every week. He gets lonely in there. Just for a bit of company. And to get away with this, because only a very close family are allowed to visit people, she had to pretend to be his niece to be allowed in. Right. The narrator, hearing this, was a bit confused as to... What he thought was sounded like a pretty dodgy deal, but she explained all she had to do was to prove that she'd been in prison to see Sally Tomato was to call Mr. O'Shaughnessy and uh, give him a weather report, just like a coded message. Things like, oh, there's a hurricane in Cuba or it's snowing in Palermo. She's like, it's just gibberish. I just say stuff. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. <laughs> uh, the two lay down on the bed after this and the and narrator pretended to sleep by uh, breathing in deeply and then... Breathing out undeeply. Oh, classic. And um, he could hear her talking to her uh, to him about poor Fred. She was cradling him, but clearly talking to her brother, Fred. And then she started crying and suddenly got up to leave. And when he asked her what was wrong, she answered, I hate snoops. <laughs> and then left. <laughs> She's the type of person that like, swans in, tells you most of her life story, yeah. <laughs> and you may ask one question. She's like, how dare yeah. you? Actually talked about how she's one. Yeah, she, yeah. 
one of her defense th- mechanisms was appearing to give lots of information, mm. but then when you asked her a direct question, avoiding the question. Yes. Which is, yeah. Smart. Clever way to be. That's what I do. Because you think about her, you're like, yeah, she's pretty open. She's told me a lot of stuff. And then you go, hang on, I don't, I don't really know anything about this person. Mm. You guys don't even know my real name. <laughs> Your name? Jessica. Damn it. <laughs> Jessica Perkins. How did he guess it so quickly? <laughs> uh, so from here, Holly left our narrator a note saying that she won't be bothering him again, but he wrote one back saying, please do. <laughs> I'm looking through your trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please bother me, please. <laughs> please. Uh, the following Friday, she sent him an invitation to have a drink at her place for a bit of a party. When she gets there, uh, when he gets there, it's full of strange older men. <laughs> I mean, strange in terms of like not familiar to him, or strange yeah. as in a group of oddballs. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he gets there. <laughs> they're and, also and, looking through <laughs> the trash. <laughs> yeah, they're all their, their hands are filthy. They're all riding unicycles, winking <laughs> 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 at each other. <laughs> no, he gets there and he feels like. They have no connection to each other and that no one seems to know each other. They're all just like random men that yeah. she's invited and everyone's sort of standing around a bit like, so. Yeah. Do you think this was just like uh, part of the training to like older men? Like she just gets in whoever and then just has to just tolerate it. And yeah. all yeah. just, around. Like, just, just practicing small talk. <sighs> yeah. Or just being around them. Like she doesn't even <laughs> yeah. like it. They're like, hello. Or like, shut up. I'm just gonna- <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> this is just the gym for me. I've got to put up with this. <laughs> So our narrator got into a convo with one of the men there who turned out to be a Hollywood agent named O.J. Berman. And uh, Holly's like, this guy could help you out with your writing career. You should, you, should, you should keep talking to him. Go back and have another drink with him. But the agent told him that he'd spotted Holly's star potential as a teenager a few years earlier and had tried to get her into the spotlight. But when he got her an audition, she just didn't turn up, mm. saying, acting is not the life for me. The other bits of gossip uh, the agent gives him is that another attendee at the party, a millionaire named Rusty Troller. Rusty Troller. <laughs> Jack, what do you think of that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Truman, you've done it again. That is <laughs> top form. Rusty Troller. <laughs> Who, um, if that's not enough, Truman Capote uh, spends about half a page describing Rusty Troller as looking like a baby in a man's body. <laughs> There's like a half half a page of description. A baby in a man's body. What does that mean? Because well, Dave, a-, a lot of people could describe you that way. No, I before think you grew well, the Dave beard. Has a beard. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a baby in a man's body with a baby beard. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, no, I think it's more like um, he's got like a a baby face, and he's also got like baby fat. You know, how babies. Yeah. A little bit pudgy. Was he wearing like a big trench coat and kept asking where the milk was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did he refuse to take the trench coat yeah. off? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're sweating a lot. No, I'm not. <laughs> I feel fine. So I do love Did that. Did he wobble a bit as he yeah, walked? <laughs> take really small steps in proportion to the rest of his body? Kept needing to burp all the time. <laughs> but, little burp. but also from the stomach as well. Like. <laughs> uh, so it's rumoured that she would that Hollywood marry this Rusty Trawler. He's a controversial character, as well as being a baby. Um, in the tabloids, he'd been in the tabloids since his parents had died and left him a fortune as a young child before marrying three times and also having some controversial leanings towards the Nazi party. Ah, okay. Hmm. Controversial in that he was pro-Nazi? Rumoured to be pro-Nazi. Wow. Despite it being World War II and them very much being the enemy of America at this stage. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Holly and the narrator had a conversation at the party in her home. There was almost a void of furniture. It's, it's, it's really it's an empty home. There's a few boxes and then there's a bed. That's about it, which he finds a bit weird. She uh, introduced him to a cat who had no name, but she said they still they belong together. We found each other. She hadn't named him, though, because she felt like she'd never settled anywhere. She told our narrator about having the blues or the mean reds. That's mm. how she describes it. She said that in the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says she feels most relaxed. Title coming up here. What I found uh, just the most good is just to get into a taxi and go to Tiffany's, which is the jewellery store. It calms me down right away. The quietness and the proud look of it. Nothing very bad could happen to you there. Not with those kind men in their nice suits and that lovely smell of silver and alligator wallets. Jessicator. If I... (laughs) Do not skin me for a wallet. I swear to God, oh, I will. you guys. Don't. She says, if I could find a real-life place that made me feel like Tiffany's, then I'd buy some furniture and give the cat a name. She's Ooh. looking for a home. That's why she went to Africa, to get an alligator. Yes. To make a purse. Yeah. To put stuff in. You fill an alligator with silver. Oh, boy. It's like you're at Tiffany's every day. I don't know what silver smells like. I don't I don't think there's a particular smell of a jewellery store, you know? And maybe she was smelling like sort of a harsh chemical polish that yeah. gave her a bit of a high. Yeah, she's one of those people that loves the smell of petrol. Just yeah. like the well, Yeah, one of those people. <laughs> well, I used to do like a... To... <laughs> you're, you're a petrol head? <laughs> no, I'm not a petrol head. Shut up. <laughs> I used to, um, uh, I, I used to collect those like Warhammer figurines when I was a kid, and you go to those like games workshops where they sell them all. But it's like you buy them, but it's also there's people teaching you how to paint them and do them. It's yeah. like a, you build them. It's like a craft project as well. And it's like there was a lot of real powerful glue going on. And it's like I'd be <laughs> lying if I said it wasn't kind of nice. Yeah. Or you just walk into that real gluey room, and it's like oh, I could see how people get addicted. To that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's that kind of thing. Maybe it is, yeah. That's how they suck you in at Warhammer. Yeah, yeah Warhammer and Tiffany's. Same, <laughs> yeah. same thing. Same, same industrial glue. glue. Yeah. She's looking for a place that makes her feel like Tiffany's. Mm. Okay. I think that's how the movie opens, is with her. Go- she's standing out the front looking in the window of Tiffany's with a coffee and like a, a croissant or something. And underneath it, the soundtrack. Yeah, it's really good. So timely. Uh, the other big incident of the party was the entrance of Holly's uh, friend, Mag Wildwood. Come on, dude. <laughs> you were killing it. Mag Wildwood? Yeah. Who's from Ho- uh, from Wildwood, Arkansas. And is uh, named after the town yeah, he's from? Yeah. <laughs> she says there's a statue of her grandpappy in Wildwood. <laughs> uh, she was a model with a very big stutter. Who, uh, and the stutter is phonetically written out throughout the book, uh, who when she arrived was working the room and had men eating out of the palm of her hand. But when she went to the bathroom, Holly implied to the group that Mag is riddled with STD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feminism. Yeah. Yeah. Let's raise each other up, ladies. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when Mag returned, uh, no one wanted to know her anymore. The only other woman at the party, nah, she's got STDs. Yeah. Holly never makes the mistake of peeing at a party. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. stays in never, the room the whole time. Never leave the room. Spread rumors about me now, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Do it to my mistake, face. Mag. <laughs> Don't you worry about me I never go to the bathroom I, I have some serious STDs myself <laughs> uh, So she, she comes back in the bathroom And now all the men are like uh, I don't want to talk anymore There's like a man who's agreed to go out for dinner with her Who leaves without asking Even getting her number And she's like what's with that 
all the men don't want to talk to her anymore. She did not take this well and got very drunk and very angry. Great. She passed out on the floor and ruined the party. And everyone left. But still a few days later, Mag moved into Holly's apartment. Okay. So it's a real love-hate relationship between these two, you know? Yeah. Like sisters, you know? They fight. They love each other, but they fight. Yeah. Sweet, I guess. <laughs> That's beautiful. Spreading rumours about each other's... That's great. Genitals. Uh, infections, yeah. <laughs> Mag was accompanied by her Brazilian fiancé, a certain Jose Ibera Jaeger. So she's got... Okay. You like that name? Sorry. That's a great name. Sorry, just pausing for Jack to react. Name. I don't know what the, the meaning of those sort of those words, though. It, I feel like what I like about it is the mm. how they everyone just seems to be named like just words that are also other things. Like he's yes. just looking around the room trying to think of names. <laughs> like he doesn't know any human names. <laughs> where there could be a, a it's like a very nice, but it could be just a thing that people are called. Right. Yeah. Yes. Whereas it could be. rusty trawler are just both <laughs> other words that mean different things, and you could see Truman just. Staring out the window at some kind of tractor or something going, <laughs> rusty. <laughs> what I love about Truman, I don't know too much about him, is, but I think that he decided to be a writer from a very young age and had been writing since he was like seven or so. So he, he took the craft very, very seriously. <laughs> but I love the idea that he's taking the name Rusty Trawler incredibly yeah. seriously. <laughs> he's doing like an online name generator. You know, yeah. he's just like <laughs> pressing random. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That'll do. Uh, Jose, the Brazilian fiancé with Mag, who helped her move in, was a politician with high hopes in Brazil and went back and forth between the two countries. But Mag has a fiancé, but also the other night was trying to pick up at a party. Oh, yeah. Mag, come on. Mag. You've snagged one, okay? (laughs) Lock that shit down. Lock it down. He's going to be... Prime Minister of Brazil one day. Okay. You're going to be looked after. Just training herself to like older men. Yeah. Which is smart to do if you do have a fiancé because he's on his way to becoming an older man. Yeah. You've got to get in early with liking older men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that when it happens, it's not a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to spring that on yourself. You wake up one day and he's old. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, book cheaters, just Dave here to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But there's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN, of course, standing for Virtual Private Network. And if nothing else, you now know that for a pub quiz. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. That's a common question. And you can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you run out of things to watch on your country's Netflix. But here's a little trick. If you have ExpressVPN, you can watch other countries' Netflix libraries. For example, this week I've been using ExpressVPN to watch Black Adder, one of my favourite all-time sitcoms, which you can't get on the Australian Netflix, but you can get it on the UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. All I have to do is I just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. 
my internet goes on a little holiday and I get to watch Black Adder. I laugh, I laugh, I laugh until the final episode of season four. Black Adder goes forth in World War One, and then I cry. The first time I ever cried during any TV show or movie, I reckon it was when I watched that. But the rest of it's very funny, I swear it is. So using ExpressVPN, you can do that exact same thing, but you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. You've got Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. Go and name it. Yes, whatever you just said. Now, there are hundreds of VPNs out there, virtual private network. But the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, high definition, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices. You've got phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on a personal device or on the big screen, wherever you are. So, let's break it down, people. If you visit my special link right now at expressvpn.com bookcheat, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. You'll be supporting the show, you'll be watching what you want and protecting yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. An extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Just go to expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. All right, back to the show. Now, Holly and Fred, let's just call him Fred, our narrator, became quite close after this hanging out a lot. She celebrated with him when he got the news that a university magazine wanted to publish his writing, his first uh, published gig, even though she was a bit like, she actually said to him, don't do it because the the magazine said, we can't afford to pay you, but we still have to publish it. He's like, I'm so stoked. And she said, I'd say no. <laughs> and then he looks, he gives her a look and she's like, oh, you, you, you're really excited. So am I. I misinterpreted this situation. Yeah. I you don't you... get money for going to prison to hang out with people. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot that. Uh, they went shopping together and she introduced him to the thrill of stealing. Oh. And they were criminal masterminds. This is on Halloween. Holly picked up a mask and slipped it over her face. She chose another and put it on mine. Then she took my hand and we walked away. It was as simple as that. Beautiful. They <laughs> so just walked out of a Halloween shop. The ultimate crime. Yeah. Uh, no, I was wearing this mask when I came in. Okay. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> on Christmas Eve, the narrator and Holly got together and exchanged presents. He gave her a St. Christopher's medal from Tiffany's, basically what he could afford from the very expensive jewellery store. She gave him an antique bird cage that he had admired but not been able to afford. Oh, okay. At least uh, it was something he yeah. liked. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd <laughs> I, mentioned- was, I was laughing initially at just like the stupidity of picking that as a gift and then I, that transitioned into a bigger laughter of like, why, are you, why is that something you admire? Like, does he have a bird? What's <laughs> yeah, no. no, and she, he's blown away by the gift but she, then she says, I'll only give it to you if you promise not to imprison any living creature in there. So now she's giving him an empty birdcage that must remain empty. Uh, You can chuck a dead bird in there, I guess. It's on the cards. Yeah, some stuffed birds. Yeah. Low maintenance. Uh, Holly and Mag fell out after a holiday to Key West, out to Miami and the area around there. Mag thought that uh, Holly was having an affair with her fiancé. I mean, you can understand why. This is right. Dearest Mag ended up in the hospital too. First degree sunburn. Disgusting. All blisters and citronella. We couldn't stand the smell of her, so Jose and I left them in the hospital and went to Havana. Good. So she just left her friend yeah. and went off with and her. And the fiancé was like, see you later, baby. I'm going with your, your friend. Your hot oh, friend. Yo, your hot friend who's always talking up men. 
We're going to Havana. Yeah. See you when you're ready to get out of the you hospital. you got to understand. It's because you're disgusting. <laughs> That's <laughs> and why, she baby. isn't. <laughs> <laughs> baby, don't worry. I'm not an old man. That's all she likes. <laughs> baby. So they had a big falling out, Mag and, and Holly. Holly and our narrator had a big falling out when she uh, told him that his writing was about nothing and unsellable. She gave him that criticism. <laughs> oh, brutal. He countered her by criticising her for being with Rusty Trawler for money only and then she kicked him out of her house. So she's now broken up with her two best friends. Good. Who needs friends when you've got old rich men? Rusty Trawler. (laughs) I'm going to marry you, Rusty Trawler, and then my name will be Holiday Trawler. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's got a certain ring to it. You're not singing that name, are you? Holiday Trawler. I hope they did like a... Kid with like a hyphenate last mm. name. That would be where you just like, uh, what's her name? Go lightly trawler. Go lightly trawler. <laughs> or trawler go lightly. Terence trawler go lightly. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, that's a name. That's yeah. the novel I'm going to write. <laughs> a sequel? Terence trawler go lightly. <laughs> He's a kid, but also a spy. Yeah. <laughs> and also a baby faced man. Yeah. <laughs> So after this fight, they didn't see each other for months. If they ran into each other on the stairs of the apartment, they just looked the other way. It was all very awkward. Months later, our narrator uh, found himself being followed by a man on the street. He's freaked out at first, but eventually confronted the man who revealed that he wanted some help with Holly Golightly. Oh. But that's not the name this man knew her by. To this man, she was Lula Mae Barnes, and he... Was Doc Golightly her husband? <gasps> what? He explained to our narrator that he married Holly when she was just 14. Her brother Fred and her had escaped a cruel foster family after both their parents had died, and Doc, who was a horse doctor, that's why he was called Doc, which I love, by the way, a horse doctor. A vet. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, he a horse doctor? specialises in. In horses. Can you help my cat? No. Oh, God, I've no. no. What is that? Yeah. How many legs does a cat have? No. No. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> I only deal with three-legged horses. Yeah. <laughs> Too many. And uh, after, <laughs> after the parents had died, he'd taken uh, Fred and Holly in with, uh, sorry, Lula May in with his own children, or as he writes, Machiran. C-H-U-R-R-E-N. Churin. 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 When Doc's wife died, uh, he married the 14-year-old girl. This is in Texas. But uh, she ran away, leaving Fred behind, despite her being treated well in his own words. Why did he marry her then? He's like, well, I need someone to look after the Churin. Okay. So I married. Look after them yourself. So I married one of the other Churin. Oh, that's yeah, gross. Marries- and uh, he'd been searching her for five years. He says, quote, Lula May belongs home. I'm just, I'll try the accent. Lula May belongs home with her husband and her cheering. Cheering. Which at first I was like, what the hell is this guy writing about? And then someone else says children. And I was like, oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Capote. I had no idea what you were trying to say there. And now Doc's plan, now he's found her in the big city, is to bring her back to the cheering in mm-hmm. Texas. Mm-hmm. Because who's looking after them if he's not there and Lula May's yeah, not there? he's going to have to marry one of the other children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> to raise the other oh, yeah. ones. Ugh. It's a vicious cycle over in Texas. <laughs> this poor guy. Yeah. When's, when's this guy getting a break? <laughs> um, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> the horse doctor. <laughs> Our narrator, still angry at Holly, took the man 
So he took the man, Doc, to see her. At first, she wasn't mad to see him. She she was apparently very fond of Doc still. She'd run away, but she was still fond of him. They seemed to reunite for the night, but the next day she convinced Doc that she's not Lula May anymore. I'm now Holy Go Lightly. And uh, amazingly, he accepted this and went home to Texas. <laughs> so, so all they needed was a chat. Again, need- could have done that over the phone. They needed a chat. <laughs> yeah, totally. What is it, people? And you got to come to me physically. Like, maybe I'm just a product of this exact moment in time that we're in where it's like, stay away. Oh, <laughs> Only right. speak yeah, to me yeah, on exactly. the phone. <laughs> You but honestly, this is irresponsible. This is no time to be reconnecting with people. No. You shouldn't be searching people down. You should <laughs> be in not. Texas looking after horses. <laughs> yeah, and children, hopefully. Cheering. Or marry one of the horses. Oh, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Marry a horse. Marry a horse, you of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he like, I did, and it left. <laughs> Everything he loves leaves him. That's brutal. Sorry, Doc. So, um... Yeah, but also extremely weird that he married a 14-year-old. Yeah, super creepy. Uh, soon after this, so that's just a side incident, but also, I guess it's to show the backstory of Holly Golightly or Lula May Barnes. Soon after this, our narrator read in the paper that the millionaire Nazi sympathiser Rusty Trawler had been married. He was sad, but he also proves to us that you should always read more than just the headlines because minutes later he read the rest of the article. He thinks <laughs> he, th- he just assumes... He's married uh, Holly Golightly. Read but the what, headline, what? treat myself to a couple of minutes, <laughs> staring into the distance wistfully, and then time to tackle the article. Yeah. Right. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and what did he find? Rusty Trawler has been married, yeah. But not to Holly, but to her friend Mag. Mag! Mag! She's married the rich Nazi sympathizer. Mag and Rusty forever. Oh, Mag Trawler. Oh, now that's good. Or, controversially, Rusty Wildwood. Oh, oh no, not yeah. back then, Dave. Not back then. They yeah, not back then. They would have come up with their own hybrid name, you know, World Trawler. <laughs> Wild Trawler. <laughs> Wild Trawler. Oh, now that's sick. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty cool. amazing, yeah. So our narrator, now, now reading the entire article, well, at least the first yeah. few <laughs> paragraphs, not reading the entire thing, I'm skimming this at best. Yeah. He went round to tell Holly the news and he found her apartment trashed. Oh. She was smashing up the entire place, crying, screaming. She's absolutely lost it. At first he thought it was because of the, the news of the marriage, but it turned out it's news of a different kind. she just heard that her beloved brother Fred had been killed in the war. Oh, no. And she was not taking it very well. She's absolutely devastated. Over the months that followed this point, uh, the narrator watched Holly transform from a carefree party animal into a quiet woman that he sees almost into like a housewife of sorts. She'd begun dating Jose, seriously, the Brazilian. So the, the two best friends had uh, swapped so, partners. Yeah. Mm. Works every time. She'd furnished her apartment. Now she had a lot of nice furniture. She'd learned to cook something that before would have been outrageous. Wow. She'd gained a bit of weight. She's no longer stick thin. He's like, wow, she's really transformed. The romance with Jose became serious over this time, and she told the narrator that she planned to travel to Brazil with him and that she was pregnant with his child. Oh, wow. She was going to have a cheering. (laughs) 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 That was not written in the book. That's not a direct quote, by the way. I'm going to have a (laughs) cheering. 
<laughs> wasn't there. You're kidding. <laughs> I'm going to have a cheering. <laughs> of course, before your best friend leaves you for another country, there's only one thing to do. And have that a is piss up. <laughs> go on a horseback ride through Central Park together. Oh, not a piss up. Of course. Um, I mean, you were thinking of Jack, right? I had my suspicions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just trying to. Oh no, sorry, I was trying to. I was trying to think about old Doc looking after the horses. He's a horse doctor. I was thinking about maybe he'd fix him up a horse or something. But <laughs> yeah. I, I that's not how horses work. He's Let me whip you up a horse. Yeah. Let me put in a good word with you with one of the horses. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a great idea to me. Anyway, go on a little horse ride through New York City. Mm. Uh, until a group of young hoodlums threw rocks at the narrator's horse, uh, forcing it to bolt away uh, through the streets of New York, out of out of Central Park, through the traffic. They're weaving. It's very dangerous, and the narrator was lucky to not be killed. Police officer has to stop the horse. Is well, horses respect the law. That's what I know. But um, <laughs> is that Jess? Is that what happens? In the film? Yeah, I was just thinking horses? I don't remember that in the book, but I definitely don't think that's in the film, no. You don't remember the horse riding scene? No. No, I don't think that happens. Seems like such a weird hoodlum activity. It was like, oh, you yeah. boys want to go uh, throw rocks at horses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm wrong, but I don't remember that at all, no. Well, you'll, you'll be happy to know that our narrator wasn't seriously injured, but he was shocked mm. by the incident. He was shook. Oh, he was all shook up. And to calm him down, Holly gave him a bath. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how I like to calm down my frazzled <laughs> yeah, friends. Right. Hey, let me give you a bath. Oh, I'm a lot of tension on these shoulders. Let me bathe you. Yeah. It's not like let me run you a bath and then leave the room. It's like I'm going to bathe you. Yeah. Nothing calms you down more than <laughs> someone you're not in a relationship with bathing you. <laughs> Being <laughs> naked bathed, in front of a friend. Yeah. Oh, if you feel uncomfortable, I'll get naked too. No, no. No, no. it's fine. No, that's it's okay. okay. But uh, she's given him a bath before getting a shock of her own. Oh, he's got a stiffy. <laughs> <laughs> when I wrote that, I knew you'd go with that. Which I, love. I knew. I was like, I know you too well. <laughs> you alley-ooped me. <laughs> Set you up for a bit of a stiffy joke there, Jack. Do your, do your notes there, Dave, say uh, surprise of her own, brackets, next line, Jess. <laughs> yeah. Pause for stiffy joke. <laughs> and you uh, did not disappoint. I'm Thank you so much. predictable. No, in the best possible way. Now, the surprise was two police officers had arrived to ar- arrest Holly on charges relating to organised crime through her connection to Sally Tomato and the lawyer, Mr O'Shaughnessy. So he's got a stiffy about organised crime? Yeah. <laughs> That's my interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> he thought the cops were strippers. <laughs> you remember her weekly weather reports of that course. she was giving to the lawyer after her visits to mobster Sally Tomato? Well, they turned out to be, unbeknownst to her, Coded messages about importing drugs. You don't say. Oh, dear. So when he's like, all clear in Havana, it's raining in Palermo. Those were messages about Mm. drugs. So she was arrested for that, for conspiracy to import all this stuff. And Arena visited her in hospital after the arrest, where sadly she was recovering from a miscarriage. So she had been pregnant, but she was taken from the the jail to a hospital he reached out to her, all her wealthy friends, but they all turned her back on it. He's like, Holly needs help. We need to get her out of prison. We need to get out with bail. They all turned their back on her. When he rang Mag Wildwood, the old friend, 
he she told the narrator that her and her husband Rusty Trawler would sue if he said anything that tied them to Holly Golightly the crook. So she's fully turned her back on it. Oh, Mag, you've changed now that you're Mag Trawler. Mag Trawler. Mag Trawler just sounds like a uh, like an enormous robot that's destroying a city. <laughs> 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 like, Will I be killed like by this size, Mag Trawler? Yeah, it's the size of like a skyscraper just punching <laughs> down airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> The only one who sends money to help is the Hollywood agent, O.J. Berman, but he does only so uh, does only does so on the proviso of anonymity. He doesn't right. want to be related to her. He says, I'll pay for an expensive lawyer, I'll pay for bail, but don't say I paid. So no one's publicly standing by her. Not even her partner, fiancé, father of her child, Jose, who wrote a letter to her in prison saying that his political office would be threatened by an association with an American criminal. So he, he's sad to say he's got to break it off. So everyone... By fl- letter. Now that you go and see them for. People are all topsy-turvy in this <laughs> story. They visit to chat and then they break up via letter. You telegram, you say, ride a horse to Joe Bell's bar. Mm. I'll meet you there. <laughs> yeah. Leave a message. Yeah, you... They write a message, leave it in the trash, hope they rile through it. <laughs> That's how it was done. get an African man to carve out that yeah. message. Yes. But the only one standing by her is our narrator. She still had tickets to fly to Brazil at this point because she'd planned to fly there with her fiancé. She told the narrator she's still going. She didn't seem to understand the trouble that she was in. She could. She's facing serious jail time for helping out this organised crime syndicate. Despite the narrator telling her that she'll never be able to return to the US if she skips bail and if she's, if she somehow manages to get on the plane mm. and get away, she'll never be allowed to come back. She doesn't care. Despite these protests, he agreed to help her. And he went with her and the cat to the airport. But on the way there, she asked to stop in Spanish Harlem. When she does so, she lets the cat go. The cat didn't want to leave, so she has to tell him to scram. Mm. Scram! And he, run, he runs away. Little Harry and the Hendersons moment. Mm. What happens in that <laughs> oh, Really? Yeah. <laughs> we, we gave you nothing there. I'm so sorry. sorry. I was we like, did not I yes hope Jess is All I know is John Lithgow is in that. Uh, yeah, I think that's just the ending of it. Then they, The Bigfoot Harry creature, They it's safer. It goes and lives in the wild, but it doesn't want to. It thinks it needs to be friends with them, and it, like he has to... He doesn't want to, but he's got to pretend to be real angry. He's like, scram, we don't want you. It's a real heartbreaking Oh, moment. no. Well, that is that is the yeah. exact this yeah. heartbreaking moment. Because minutes later, heartbreakingly, she realized she's made a mistake. She says, oh, Jesus, God, we did belong to each other. He was mine. Because the narrator was like, why are you kicking out the cat? She says, I never made any promises to this cat. We were just two people living together for a while. I mean, it's a cat for starters. <laughs> She's like, it would be frightening as hell if you were making promises <laughs> yeah. to the cat. And sign here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she's kicked out the cat. She orders ordered the taxi to turn around to look for him, but they couldn't find him. Our narrator promises to come back and look for the cat. He even promises to look after the cat too. But she responds, but what about me, she said, whispered and shivered again. I'm very scared, Buster. Yes, at last, because it could go on forever, not knowing what's yours until you've thrown it away. Wow. Don't it always seem to go, as you don't know what you got till it's gone. 
That's what that song was based on. Bada bing, 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 bing. <laughs> it's a very inspirational movie, this one. <laughs> it's got everything. So many good songs. The soundtrack is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, songs are in the book, Dave? Yeah, what songs are in the book? Yeah, what's the soundtrack for this book? Uh, just that one, Don't Want to Go Alone in the Sky, whatever that song was, <laughs> which I Googled. It didn't seem to exist. <laughs> Disappointing. But then there was a, a two-minute guitar solo, which I assume went... Bada 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 yeah. It was written out phonetically. It was very confusing. I mean, the man did spend half a page describing a baby man. There is time for a guitar solo. There's every there? time in this 100 pages. Uh, the final page is the narrator recounting some newspaper headlines after this. They read, Tomatoes, tomato, missing. Referring to Holly. She is Tomato's <laughs> tomato. tomato. Yeah, yeah. good few minutes after reading that to tackle the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she's the tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't realise. Uh, another one was drug case actress believed gangland victim. Oh. In due time, however, the press reported fleeing playgirl traced to Rio. <laughs> I mean... It's a lost art, the headline. (laughs) Tomato's tomato missing. It's pretty good. Apparently, no attempt was made by American authorities to recover her, and soon the matter diminished to an occasional gossip column mention. So she escaped to Brazil, and that was that. Sally Tomato stayed in prison but died of a heart attack soon after. She wrote to uh, our narrator once from prison. This is Holly Golartley. Uh, sorry, from Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> so she was in prison. She was from Brazil. He was in prison. I read the wrong word there. She wrote to him once from Brazil. She wrote to him, Brazil was beastly, but Buenos Aires, the best. Sorry, she's, sorry, she's traveled to Buenos Aires. The best. Not Tiffany's, but almost. Am joined at the hip with uh, Divine Senor. Love? Think so. Anywho, am looking for somewhere to live. Senor has a wife and seven brats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Holly, I was almost excited for you. (laughs) She's done it again. She finishes her message and will let you know address when I know it myself. But she never wrote again. Without an address, our narrator couldn't reply. He wanted to tell her that Rusty and Mag were suing each other in a messy, messy divorce and that he'd moved out of the apartment. But the final paragraph is, but mostly I wanted to tell her about the cat. I had kept my promise. I had found him. Took weeks of after work roaming through those Spanish Harlem streets, and there were many false alarms, flashes of tiger striped fur, but upon inspection, were not actually him. But one day, one cold, sunshiny Sunday winter afternoon, winner, I said winner like that. Winner, winner children. <laughs> I found that Sheeran, and when I mean that, I say I mean cat. <laughs> what? Oh, I love Texas Dave. Yeah, You're a great character. One Sunday winter afternoon, it was. Flanked by potted plants and framed by clean lace curtains, he was seated at the window of a warm-looking room. I wondered what his name was, for I was certain he had one now. Certain he'd arrived somewhere he belonged. African hut or whatever, I hope Holly has too. And that is the end of the book. He just hopes Holly's found a home. Yeah, so the cat, he, yeah, he looked into someone's house and saw the cat warm and happy. Assume he now had a name and he mm. hopes that all these years later, 10, 12 years later, that Holly's out there somewhere. And in the movie version, Holly, she, he goes home and Holly's there and he's like, 
Buddy, you and me are going to rob a casino. <laughs> really escalates from there. Yeah. So the movie takes a real turn. Yeah. It was a weird. casino in space. <laughs> Three hour traveling <laughs> sequence. But <laughs> same set. They stay true to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does get weird from there. <laughs> what? No, apparently, the, the film is different. They get back to they get together. The yeah. narrator. They both go and find the cat. Our um. An A-team guy and her get together. Yeah, and they they find the cat. the A-team starts. (laughs) (laughs) They find a cat in an alleyway and then then they pash and then end. They actually do this? Is that true? That's true? Yeah. Hollywood for you. (laughs) That's Hollywood for you. They want things to be nice. (laughs) Yeah, give it a happy end. Yeah, but in the book, apparently he was furious Truman Capote at the ending. Oh, of the oh, film. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> it's the furious at the end of the book he wrote. Yeah. Uh, uh, edit it, dickhead. Yeah, it's fr- away. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> oh, I, I hate this. I can't control my hand. <laughs> oh, right. He was furious. That's interesting. Yeah, but uh, probably happy to have the money, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. It was quite a hit. It is kind yeah. of that Hollywood thing of tying it up in a neat little bow. Give yeah. people closure. Don't make them think. Mm, what happened to the Turin in the movie? Well, yeah, Doc goes away, um, so you never remember them again. Did he go to space? I yeah, Doc, someone got, to Doc space. goes to space to look after the space horses, he obviously. He the strongest horse that's ever lived. It jumps him right into space. It's crazy. It's a beautiful sequence, actually. It's really nice. Well, well, that I mean, that is the end of the, the novel. What are, we, what are our, our thoughts, our feelings? It, it sounds uh, really nice. I'd like to read it. It sounds like I've, I've been reading to... Uh, wanting to read more fiction, and I think it sounds. Oh yeah, I like it. it I would. Nice. I think it's really it sounds, well written. I like the yeah. fact that it's a hundred pages that inspires me. I was like, oh, I could knock this over in a weekend. Yeah, yeah. easily. Yeah, and smash it out, and also like as I said, stuff still does happen. It's quite a lot happens. Yeah, and- it's an easy read without feeling. You know how sometimes, especially on holidays, you want to read something a bit dumb. Yeah. Like it has to be very easy reading. <laughs> this you still feel intelligent. It makes you oh, think it's still at points. Listed as a classic. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really well written and it's a great story. And Holly, I think, um, in the book and definitely the film, she's this character that you like you you're rooting for her, but you're not really sure why. She's one of those we've all met people like Holly who are like really fun to be around, but very flaky and mm-hmm. um, absolutely short short term or not short term people like good in small doses or fun friends, but not friends that last for long. Mm. And people that you know will never help themselves. Totally, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like but also, will never genuinely be yeah. there for you. Either. No, yeah. So they'll never. So that when, and when I say help themselves, I mean they are still pretty self centered. But yeah. There are things where you're like, hey, they're never going to get it together. Yes, and they're like they'll be really great to you sometimes and be incredibly generous, and then other times just completely ignore you and brush you off and terrible. Like, but I think there's still something kind of likable about it, and Audrey Hepburn's performance is great as this character. Oh, fantastic! Well, it is said that Truman Capote, out of the things he wrote, this was his favorite character, Holly Golightly, and mm. many have speculated because um, he based a lot of her on himself. <laughs> Okay. Because he was quite an eccentric. He was, a, he was an it boy. Yeah, he was an, I'm an it boy. He was quite an eccentric guy. But to base it on yourself, you'd have to have that self-awareness, which I don't think Nothing someone I'll, like Holly has. Nothing uh, yeah, I don't know if. Yeah, well, he was like, I like this character a lot. Mm. I think people other people are like, like, that's because you're a lot like this character. Yeah, yeah right. That Brazilian politician got you pregnant. <laughs> remember? You remember that time? Remember Truman? You remember you were on a horse and you got stoned by some boys? Yeah. No, I got stoned with some boys. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great weekend. 
There's a Bucks party. Boy, that's very good. <laughs> Getting stoned and riding horses. Bucks party. Bucks? <laughs> Getting bucked? I got a horse? That's so good. I love that stuff. Did we do it? I think we just did it. Yeah, I think we did it. But um, I think the only other thing left to do is to give it a score out of five, which is slightly different because usually it's based on what you've heard here, which you'll do, Jack. But, Jesse, you've actually read this novel. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I've jogged your memory enough for you to remember what you felt when you did read it. You've inspired me to want to reread it because there were definitely parts in there that I was like, oh, that's right, or stuff I'd forgotten. So I'm going to yeah. reread and rewatch, I think. Um, but I'm going to give it like a – it's like a solid four, I reckon. A four out of five? Yeah. Fantastic, Jack. What do you th- what are you thinking? Um, I was thinking of four as well. It made me, yeah, in- intrigued to check it out. I feel like um, I would have loved some some more names. Mm. Oh yeah, like yeah, sure, sure, sure. Mm. Definitely my favorite. Part. They were, they <laughs> are amazing. <laughs> Just the, to know the house was at one point full of old men who all must have had names. Yeah, like, yeah. name them, name them all. Yeah. What well, were they? Uh, well, it's good news for Truman Capote. He can get these stars tattooed on himself because yes. I'm also giving it a four out of five. Okay. This is a four-star book, baby. Yeah, it's great. It's good. It's short. The characters are complex, and I like that because I don't like it when they're just cookie-cutter. I mean, who does? Who's like, I under... Well, yeah, some maybe some people just like very easy characters that are very easy to understand. But I like people a little more gritty. Yes, because like you said, it's gritty, but you also, like you were saying, root for her. You don't – sometimes there's characters – I found in a lot of the classics I've read on the show, there's like ten characters and nine of them you're like, I hate this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were they always this mean back in olden times? But um, with this character, which admittedly is not as old as some of the things I've read, mm. but um, despite her quirks and some things that frustrate you, you still do like her. Yeah, yeah and I think I think growing up in the era – of of sort of movies and books and stuff that we sort of did. It's like you, you're quite conditioned to root for a good guy. Like yeah, you know that you want there to be good guys and bad guys. Sort yeah, of thing. Where and think, very clear cut. Yeah, and when you you read stuff from other times or other cultures or whatever, like it's not as much so, and it mm. can be a bit of an adjustment sometimes. Mm. You're like, who am so I? Who's who's who am I rooting for here? Yeah, it is nice to have someone to go back. But that said, like, and don't at me because I know it's one of the biggest series ever. But I've only ju- I've just started watching Mad Men because we're obviously all at home a lot. Um, and I never watched it originally, and I'm struggling because I I can't find anybody I like. I'm not rooting for anyone. Mm, I, I do hate say them all. I like stuff where I'm in, yeah, and enjoy. It. I mean, I'm that's why I really just like horror films because you know. Yeah, find it too intense, and like you know, characters are evil often. No, I don't like. So, it. And suffering, I don't. Like, yeah, I do find it hard when you, when there's no one to cling on to. To like, this is just all gross men mm. being disgusting to women, and I can't help but find that personally offensive. So I'm just like, oh, it just makes me angry, and then I'm yelling at the TV, and it's like, this is supposed to be relaxing time, yeah. and yeah, I'm yeah. I'm angry now. Enjoy yourself. I sat down happy, and I'm mad now. Oh, okay, now I get. What Mad Men is about. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it. sense now. And I know it's like that's what she's supposed to feel and it's a different time, yada, yada, yada. I'm watching it in this time and I'm angry about it. So that's I get real angry at the, the pilot episode of Mad Men because okay. it's like so much 
you know, you got to set up a TV show and it's like you got to explain what advertising agencies are and what the 50s... It's like people wouldn't understand what the 50s was. Like, yeah. it's every <laughs> single person is like, I'm in the 50s. And there's like, there's like, they have two identical pieces of paper and it's like, I know you stole that piece of paper. It's not like there's some magical machine that makes identical copies of a yeah. piece of paper. It's a real line in the pilot yes. episode of Magic. Yes, like, it is. Shut up. I know what the past is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. He stole the paper out yeah. of the trash. I'm I get it. And is going, oh, is this today? What's why wouldn't he print <laughs> What do it you off? mean? Yeah. Didn't you all get CC'd in that email? Yeah. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, anyway. Should I persevere? Did you watch all of Mad Men? Uh, yeah, I, I remember watching it all and liking it all. Hmm. But I'm not going to. Uh. Yeah, you're right. I mean, something's making me angry. I mean, there's yeah. so much out there to watch. It's, yeah. it's the age of TV where yeah, exactly. you'll never watch everything. So. If you don't like it, I reckon you can give it away. That's fine. Give it a, a you know, give it a fair go. I'd suppose yeah. a few episodes, and if you dislike it, you don't have to do it. Just watch Parks and Rec again or something. <laughs> don't, don't have to tell yeah, me twice. I knew that that was. <laughs> I just That's wanna, an option. <laughs> want to quickly say I also like this style of book where it is only hundred pages, so you just get the snapshot, and he mm. talks about. Holly, there's that weird part with the African model at the start, and you never hear if that was her or not. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. he never sees her again. You assume. Yeah. You never get any more about that. I like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Then. I like that ending. Yeah. It's, you're kind of like, well, that was Holly. Holly, I hope she's doing well. I don't know. It feels, yeah, it feels a bit more real because I've had people like that where you're like, well, you were fun for a time and now I think of you every now and then and go, huh, ah, well, and you move yeah. on. I mean, that, that that kind of memory is harder these days with Facebook because people still yeah. appear sort of in your life. You know, you can vaguely stay connected to people, but yeah. If you hadn't seen someone in 12 years and then they suddenly turned up in an African statue, that would yeah. be kind of weird. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it is a bizarre thing, but I still am like, yeah, I like this. Yeah. Mm. It's plausible enough, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Team, thank you so much for coming out and, uh, you know, talking books, having fun with me, I hope, and on this episode. Appreciate your... If I can speak on behalf of Jack and I, I'd love to say thanks for having us. Um, and inspiring me, at least, to read that book again. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I definitely definitely highly recommend it. Mm. Um, and if I could speak on behalf of Jess, <laughs> I would a lot of very controversial opinions <laughs> about the <laughs> truth about vaccination, <laughs> if I may. Um, uh, well, that's all we've got time for, so. <laughs> oh, the, I mean, I must say, I don't, just in case... Uh, you know, anyone reads it and they're like, what the hell? I thought you said this was great. There is a little bit of homo- uh, homophobia in here. Okay. And also a couple of racial slurs. Yes. From the time, yeah? Yep, now I'm remembering, yes. In, in, uh, in, in this kind of thing. So it's certainly not a perfect book. No, got, not by any means. But, you know, you can smash that quickly. And um, overall, the story is quite intriguing and most of the writing is great. Yeah. There you go. Um, so that just brings us to the end of the episode. Now, one of the purposes of getting you guys on this show was to promote your Melbourne Comedy Festival shows, which sadly have been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I wrote to you a few weeks ago, Jack, and said, let's get you on. We could plug your show. But um, <laughs> do you have anything else coming up? I know Jackie wrote a fantastic newsletter. Um, yeah, you- that's what I was uh, was going to plug, really. I think i probably not going to be doing much stand-up in the next little while, so mm. I'm going to try and put a lot more uh, effort into, into writing myself. So, yeah, if you would like to subscribe to my newsletter, um, it's... 
you can get the link is uh, the in my bio on my Twitter page. It's probably the easiest way. Cool. Or, or I'll my, put it in the website. Or if you want to, I'll put it in, in the, the description thing. of this yeah, episode too, so you can easily click that. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed your. Um, most recent entry was about the Melbourne Comedy Festival being cancelled, which obviously comedians have been talking about, and how a lot of people treat, in Melbourne anyway, that comedy is just like once a year at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And mm, if yeah. everyone that is was going to go see that when comedy starts up again in a few weeks, a few months' time, we don't know at this stage, would go out and support it, we'd have the best scene in the world. Yeah, yeah. and it, it really struck me so much when um, there was so much discussion when the festival was cancelled and, and the people were like, oh, do we... Can we pay for a live stream? How can we support these artists? Can we do this? And it's like going so above and beyond to mm. be supportive. And it's like just we've done so many shit gigs all year. Yes, come so to many. One yeah. of them. Like yeah. if you love comedy so much, come to one of the shit gigs we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really struck by that. But that makes it sound quite mean what I said, I guess, then. But uh, yeah. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Your style is, yeah, like Capote, quite... Enjoyably yeah, readable. and I'll chuck in some wacky names yeah. if you want. Yes. <laughs> yeah, please. Please do it. For wacky names. And I'm loving that um, there's there's like a – it's like the renaissance of newsletters. Seeing a few comics and artists and stuff starting newsletters, I'm loving it. I'm subscribing to all of them, baby. Oh, yeah. Get in my inbox. I don't have enough um, creative power to make one, but fuck, I love to consume them. Yeah, read it. I mean, it, at the moment it's just emails from – Companies explaining their yeah. coronavirus policy, yeah, and like, and and real estate agents is all I'm getting emails from. So if I'm if I get like something funny in my inbox, I'm yeah. pretty grateful for it. Makeup brands yeah. I bought something from four years ago, being like, "This is how we're dealing with it." I'm like, "I don't yeah, care." It's like I bought a camera charger off of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't give a shit. What are real estate agents doing? Because I think I'm going to an open for inspection tomorrow, and I'm concerned. Oh, I think you might be in the. Market for a bargain. Oh, okay. There'll be a lot less competition out there, yeah. Great. I'm going to buy that apartment that I was going to rent. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Oh, great. It's uh, 400 a week. Oh, no. I'll buy it. <laughs> the entire building. For $400. Yeah, yeah. Can I pay the installments of $400 once now and uh, once every year? Yes. Would you accept the story about the apartment? <laughs> <laughs> I would in a newsletter. Yeah. Uh, uh, JP, what else you what do you ask you going up? We do our podcast do go on, which we're still putting out weekly. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah, well, I don't really have much else going on at the moment because yeah, we don't know when stand up will be kicking back up again. Um, but yeah, do go on is going to be uh, going to continue as normal, and we're trying to find ways to do something for you in uh, in replacement of those live shows. So, I don't know, stay tuned for that. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll put something out online. And we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash do go on pod. Oh, yeah, that also support us that way. And supports this uh, show as well because it's basically a spinoff of that. Yeah. So if you want to do that, that would be uh, fantastic. I'm going to thank a few people after you guys leave. Okay. Because I haven't got the names together yet. But So I'm going to thank uh, quite a few people. So stay tuned if you'd like to uh, hear your, uh, hopefully, your name thanked. That's so nice that you let us leave first. Yeah, that's a treat. I love that. So many, you're waiting for a podcast to start and they got to do all this admin at the beginning. (laughs) Why have me here for this? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Dave. Yeah, you guys get to leave. Yeah, great. Enjoy a little you time. But yeah, honestly, thank you so much for coming out. I know it is a weird time and uh, I appreciate you coming out and uh, being part of the show. And until next time, as always, I always say it, and that is books forever. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. 
Hey book cheaters, Dave here, the book chook, at the end of the episode to thank you for listening to the show. Man, wasn't that a fun time? Jack Drews and Jess Perkins, fantastic guests, a big thanks to them for coming out. I reckon that whilst recording that, that was the longest time I went without thinking about the coronavirus for the last two weeks. So I really appreciate them coming in, giving up their time and distracting me, giving me a big laugh, and hopefully they did the same for you too. And if you liked what they did... Uh, Follow Jack's newsletter, check out Jess online, got some fantastic Instagram stories as well as, of course, the Do Go On podcast. And uh, before we get to the last part of the show this week, which is going to be thanking some people that support us on Patreon, I would also like to thank, I think we forgot to shout out to Sasha Eisenstadt from Bath, who actually suggested that I talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's. People can suggest the books that I'd that I can do on the show. You can do that at any time by clicking the link in the description. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll do your book and I'll give you a shout out. So uh, Sasha Eisenstadt, sorry that I didn't shout out to you earlier, but I appreciate that you're the only one that told me to do Breakfast at Tiffany's. I've been wanting to read it for a long time. And this show is only possible because people support this show as well as Do Go On and Book Cheat and Listen Now, all the podcasts on the Do Go On podcast network, network within a network. Of course, we're also part of Planet Broadcasting or some other great shows. But uh, our Patreon page supports all of those shows and people go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod. And a lot of people, I must say, in the current climate after the comedy festival was cancelled and there's no more live work for us at the moment, we had to cancel those uh, live shows and we had a few interstate and possibly international tours planned for the second half of the year, which sadly doesn't look like they're going to go ahead in the current climate, but hopefully next year we'll be back out up and about with those international shows. But because of that... Uh, people have decided to support us even more than usual at patreon.com slash uh, Sorry, I keep sounding like a plug machine here. And uh, we didn't actually expect people to do that. People just started upping their pledges or being like, yeah, I've listened every week for years, especially to Do Go On, which has been going for four and a half years now. That um, Yeah, people just decided to jump on, even if it's only temporary. I know that a lot of people are struggling in these times. So if you can't support the show in that way, don't worry. We will keep the episodes coming out for free as long as we're healthy and able to do so. But yeah, to all the people that have uh, decided to help us out, we thank you. And we hope that you get something out of it as well. Obviously, you support the show. And uh, there are now, I think it's 62 bonus episodes that we've uploaded from Do Go On. Half of those are reports on topics like the Stanford Prison Experiment, the Monster with 29 Faces, the Power Rangers Curse, the Battle of the Sexes. What else have we done on there? We've done some good ones. The Salish Seafoot Discoveries, where all those uh, feet keep washing up on uh, Canadian beaches. That's right, human feet inside shoes. If you haven't heard that story, that's crazy. And there's also that one where Matt nearly died because we told him about um, an early marathon where people ran off course and a man was chased by wild dogs. This is during the Olympics, that's right. And uh, Matt nearly died from that. And my my favourite report that I've done on there, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. What a crazy story. Anyway, I digress. just want to say uh, you can get those bonus episodes in exchange for supporting the show as well as voting on stuff. I announced the books in advance now for what I'm going to do on BookSheet because I know a few people want to read along uh, in advance or, you know, get a copy of the books. They can read it afterwards. I don't know, just, which is really, really nice. I love that I'm actually encouraging people to read with a show that takes away the need to read. So that's really, really nice. And I also shout out to people. Now, as I said with Jack at the end there, sometimes it can be slightly awkward. you got the guests on. I've already talked to them for an hour and a half. And then I'm like, hey, can I also thank some people now? So I usually only keep it to three just because I don't want to keep them there for ages. But I figured I'm going to try. Let me know if you like this or you don't like this. Just at the end, thanking a few more people 
just from me to you. So that way I don't have to keep the guests because a lot of the time, yeah, they're there for over two hours by the time I finished finished uh, telling them about the book. So And they give up their time for free. So I don't want to take up too much of that. So yeah, I can thank more people this way. So let me know if you, if you like this. But if you feel like it's a bit of a cop out and you'd prefer the other guests to uh, riff along with your book choices, I don't know, let me know. So the following people have all supported the show on Patreon and told me their favorite book. And uh, I would first like to thank Andreas Mueller. Mulauer. It's a fantastic umlaut over the first U here. Andreas Mulauer. I'm sure we've mispronounced your name before and do go on. And uh, what an honor it is to do it on Book Cheat as well. Andreas Mulauer has told me. And uh, their favorite book is also a little cheat. Love that. That's what we're all about here. Cheating books. Uh, because it's the original. I should have read this before. A book by H.P. Lovecraft. Cthulhu Mythos. Cthulhu Mythos. You don't often see... A C, not followed by a vowel. Uh, the Cthulhu Mythos I'm reading on Wikipedia is the shared fictional universe originating in the works of American horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. There you go. The term was coined by August Derleth, a contemporary correspondent and protege of Lovecraft, to identify the settings, tropes, and lore that were employed by Lovecraft and his literary successors. The name, Cthulhu, derives from the central creature in Lovecraft's seminal short story, the Call of Cthulhu, first published in 1928. Now, I've got to tell you, thanks to that, Andres, a lot of people have been asking me to do a bit more horror since I did uh, Frankenstein very, very early on, and H.P. Lovecraft is the name that keeps coming up. So, what do you reckon? Maybe that'll be coming up soon. So, Andreas, thanks for that. Uh, Tiernan Ennis, the bus driver to the stars, who uh, we have uh, met in Ireland before and also in England, uh, Scotland, I should say, when we were over there for both our Do Go On tours over the last couple of years. Fantastic guy that stepped up and uh, helped us out when we had a sound tech fall through. So, Tian Ennis, big fan of you, as you know, but um, you're telling me you're a big fan of... Favourite book is tough, that's what you've written anyway, but my favourite series of book is The Spooks. It's been going since I was a teen and there's like 13 books in it now, but when you get into it, you get hooked. Spooks, love it. Thanks, Tiernan. Appreciate your support. Uh, Ern Arrowsmith, favorite book with an S in brackets here. We've got another cheater here. I love this. The Harry Potter series. I know that's a cheat. If I had to pick one, it's probably The Prisoner of Azkaban, my personal favorite when I was reading them, though it's been a while since I read them. I also very much enjoy The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, though the latter can be a bit tough to get through at times. I'll level with you, Ern been meaning to read the lord of the rings my entire life my mum growing up was her favorite series of books she's a big fantasy reader and the films came out and i actually have refused to watch them over the years which i know really upsets a lot of people just because i wanted to read the books without it being spoiled by the movies and i say that because now when i read harry potter i imagine the actors you know i see daniel radcliffe i see rupert grint and um instead of my imagination that i used to use so i thought all right i'll I'll make sure that doesn't happen with Lord of the Rings, but now I'm nearly 30 years old now and I still haven't got around to it because I hear that sometimes there's like three pages of elves singing and descriptions of leaves and all sorts of things. So maybe that's what you're talking about. But I I don't want to promise you, but one day I'll get through it. I don't know if it'll be a book cheat, but one day I'll try and read it. But thanks, Ern. Appreciate your support. Now we've got Troy Vinton Brown. As for a favourite book, I like 1984 because I love Grim Futures. <laughs> Well, have I got news for you, Troy? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's a great book. It was one of my year 12 books, the final year of school here. And, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, 
Andy Matthews has told me that he's never read it and he'd like to get to it one day. And um, he's asked if I do it on BookCheat, I'll get him on. And that is something I will follow through on. Uh, thanks, Troy. Hang in there. Hopefully we are not about to enter our own 1984 with the state of the world at the moment. I've got a couple more here. Ian Whitehead. Book? Towing Jehovah. I don't know this book, but Ian says, It's about God dying and this two-mile... Ling, two miling. Anyway, his body falling in the ocean, and a group of people have to tow the body to the Antarctic before anyone finds out. It's a very fun book, full of funny and interesting situations. <laughs> I mean, towing God to Antarctica. I reckon that comes under that. Thanks, Ian. You're a good, good bloke. And finally, I would like to thank George Fuentes. Thanks for supporting the show, George. Uh, favorite book: Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Great story and concept that has yet to be made into a proper film, but has been made into a proper book cheat. I have done this one. Uh, he says, this is George, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen came close, but couldn't get over the final hurdle. But this novel does deserve a decent film remake. Thanks, George. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Every time I have Nick Mason and Mr. Sunday movies on this show, that one comes up. Never seen it, but maybe I will. Even though everyone tells me it's terrible. But sometimes a bird movie is great, right? Right? Well, that does bring us to the end of another book cheat. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Really appreciate uh, the ongoing support of this show. You know, it's fun to do sometimes. It comes right down to the wire with the reading and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to keep trying to keep the episodes coming out thick and fast. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll keep distracting each other from from other things going on in the world. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, it's at BookCheatPod on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can send me an email, BookCheatPod at gmail.com. be great to hear from you. Yeah, but that's that's it for now. Um, I'll be back next in an, a couple of weeks with another, another episode. I yet to choose the book. So if you want to get into the uh, description of this episode, click that link and tell me what I should do. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe we'll get my hands on a copy. All right, thank you so much, guys, and until next week, I'll say it on my own, <laughs> alone in a house, books forever! Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 